Welcome to the Growing With Purpose podcast. I'm Paul Spiegelman, and we're going behind the scenes with very special leaders, learning about what shaped them into who they are in business and in life. As a business owner, are you continually searching for less stress, more time freedom, and increased profits? Prosper for Business by Mackey might be the solution you've been looking for. Prosper for Business is both an executive coaching program and fractional CFO service designed to deliver exceptional results through increased education, visibility, and accountability. Prosper for Business graduate Jude Hemmen, CEO of Furlong Building Enterprises, said, The decision to work with Mackey was a life changer. They truly care about our success and give us the tools to do so. Working with the Mackey team also helped Julie Bach, owner of the Bach Group, see things in the business she hadn't seen before that led her to the business being more efficient, productive, and profitable. Does Prosper for Business sound like the right next step for your business? Visit MackeyAdvisors.com slash smallgiants. That's M-A-C-K-E-Y Advisors.com slash smallgiants to learn more. My guest today is Taylor Vandenhoek. Taylor is a delivery lead with Atomic Object, where she works with teams to envision, create, and deliver custom software. Inspired by how design connects people and solves challenging problems, Taylor started her career in human-centered design. Merging the creative and analytical, she works with teams to navigate uncertainty and new opportunities in tech. Welcome, Taylor. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. This is wonderful. Well, first, I got to ask, because I need to understand, and I'm sure our listeners do as well, tell me what human-centered design is. Oh, I love that question. So um, I'll try to encapsulate this as simply as as possible. I feel like human-centered design is really designing with that end user at the heart of the entire experience. So it it is less about me as a designer inserting my perspective or opinion into how something should be done or the way that I would want it to be built around me, but it's really about listening and understanding what people's needs and and wants are and how we can best meet those with really really valuable solutions and tools to help them empower them to accomplish whatever they're trying to do i love that i'm thinking about the end user in mind so talk about atomic object tell me a little bit about the company and what you do there yeah so you set it up really well atomic object is a custom software consultancy. And we have three locations right now. We have one in Grand Rapids, Michigan, another in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and yet another in Chicago, Illinois. Um, we are just under 100 employees. I would say we're we're teetering on pretty close to that, but it's been growing. And uh, I'm excited to say that I'm helping that growth by starting a fourth office in Raleigh, North Carolina with my colleague, Ryan Abel. Wow, that's exciting. We're going to get into that. Uh, Big change for you and for the company. Uh, So where do you kind of sit in the organization today? In all transparency, you you participate now in our Small Giants Leadership Academy, which has been a pleasure having you as part of that. So you're what we consider that next-gen leader. You're going to take a big leap here in the next year in terms of your own role. 
But where do you kind of sit in the organization today in terms of leadership? Today, I am a delivery lead at Atomic Object, and I work with product teams um, of kind of varying sizes. I've worked with some large teams and some small teams, some short projects and some longer projects that span multiple years. But as a delivery lead, I I really like to say that I'm sitting in kind of both worlds. If I'm sitting in some of the business strategy, uh, some of the problems that our clients might be facing and helping them understand those trade-offs that they need to make decisions about when it comes to building and delivering custom software. But then I also work and collaborate very closely with our developers and designers on the team as we're implementing this vision and uh, accomplishing what we what goals we set out for on our roadmaps. So it's a it's a really great consultancy to be a part of because we take this agile mindset to heart. Um, we know that there are going to be some uncertain challenges that will come our way on teams. And I am really excited to be in a position where I get to collaborate with all parties, um, with makers, with our clients, uh, with subject matter experts and users, as we were talking about to really understand what those options are and help to provide recommendations so that we can all move forward in the same direction. That's great. You get to touch all the stakeholders, which is a wonderful experience for you. Do you, who do you report to? And then do you have direct reports? So I report to the managing partners of the Grand Rapids office, um, who are fantastic to work with. And they've been huge mentors of me, especially in the past couple of years as I've been on this leadership path. I don't have a direct reports yet. I would say that uh, the team members that I get to work with on a daily basis um, are really my colleagues. I feel like I get to work right alongside them to solve some of these challenges. So moving into this role where I will be a managing partner and I will have direct reports will be a big shift. Wow, uh, that is gonna be a big shift. What a great opportunity for you. Tell me a little bit more about the culture at Atomic. Uh, you know, we're familiar with the company. Many of you have been involved with the community. Carl Erickson, who founded the organization, is an, an awesome leader. Uh, well, he's turned over the CEO job, co-CEOs now of the organization as he's uh, continuing to be a part of it. But uh, tell me what makes Atomic Objects so special. Yeah, there are a lot of reasons. I think that Atomic Object is a pretty special organization. The one that I always come back to, like the reason why why I'm here, why I chose to come to Atomic Object in the first place was because of the people. Um, everybody is very smart, talented, caring, really genuine and authentic. I feel like we we bring our best selves to work every day and we like to share some of the, the celebrations and things that we have outside of work too, whether that's family things or, or hobbies. There are a lot of opportunities to really get to know one another and uh, dive into a passion that you may have with somebody else. But I think that from an atomic object culture standpoint, I think that our vision of being a force for good in our communities is something that has really resonated with me um, and something that has been kind of a guiding light for me as I also go down this uh, creating a new office path. But I think our values too are those that we're living out every day um, and those values, we have half a dozen values, but they're things like act transparently, which is about how we handle crucial conversations either with each other um, or maybe it's just uh, being able, being a really good consultant and being transparent with our clients about like, here's what we're seeing and we want to bring you into this with us. It's also values like teach and learn, which is, I think, fairly self-explanatory, but I think it really, it can go deep. 
when we're, when we're working with others and helping them understand what it takes to bring custom software to market. And then I think the favorite one that a lot of us have is the give a shit value, which is really just about caring deeply. <laughs> that one resonates with a lot of people too. Yeah, I love that one. I remember you guys at some point made little buttons and I grabbed one of those. Um, I have it in my drawer still here. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, how did, how did you, how have you guys, uh, so how long have you been there? I have been there for almost five years. So okay. fairly new, I would say, to the company, but I came in with, um, I came in more as a, an experienced designer. So I had some experience prior to Atomic. Yeah. We're going to talk about that a little bit, but I want to know how you have witnessed at Atomic that that vision, those values have gone beyond the plaque on the wall to impact how you guys behave and live each day. Yeah, so we have uh, as a very clear way of using those values from a day-to-day -day standpoint, we have uh, the ability to kind of nominate others for those values. So if there is somebody who's really gone above and beyond, let's say to share the pain, which is one of our values, um, maybe that means that they really dug into a client's challenge without being asked to, and they put in some extra time to see if they could help solve that for them. That would be a wonderful situation to recognize that person in front of the company and say, at stand up, you know, at 10 o'clock or whatever the next morning to say, like, this person really went above and beyond. And they want to recognize their contributions to the team and to the client and to moving this project forward. And so we would give them a share the pain proton. Um, and those can mm -hmm. be found on our website. So that gets shared broadly too on our website on all of our team pages. But I think it's also about uh, some of the decisions that the company has had to make over the last couple of years. You know, there's been a ton of uncertainty and I think everyone is looking for their own way of navigating this. And I think uh, the company leaders, uh, Mike and Sean, who are co-CEOs today are taking those values and putting that to the test with some of these challenges and saying, you know, what does it look like to uh, return to office and how do we do that in a way where we are showing that we care deeply about our people and of course about all of the relationships and partnerships that we have and want to maintain but also how do we do this in a transparent way so that people see all of the thinking um, and the reasoning why we're making the decisions that we're making those are great examples uh, and that's what's so important is is not that they're just words but they are impacting decisions and you're seeing that in the other leaders of the company and i think all of this has obviously contributed to your being prepared or hopefully prepared to take on this new location uh, in raleigh a little bit down the road but there's got to be other things that have happened in your life that have been part of your leadership journey, whether they were intentional or not. I want to take you back, Taylor, to even your childhood. Tell me about your folks. Uh, what was it like? Uh, what, what were things that might have happened in those early years that, uh, that touched on the way you now look at leadership? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. So uh, my parents are really hardworking individuals. My dad, uh, he worked in manufacturing for most of his life, I would say. And he also had a really big passion for art. And that's where I get a little bit of my creative streak. Um, he really saw his art as a passion. And I could see that that was something 
that maybe got pushed to the side a bit as he he worked uh, more than full time <laughs> for most of his life, I would say, to make sure that the family was provided for. My mom was, you know, right there alongside. Uh, my mom has always been a really hard worker, um, somebody who really taught me what work ethic really means, you know, kind of digging in, rolling up your sleeves and doing the work that needs to be done, even if it feels a little bit outside of what your job description might be. She's worked in kind of various roles, uh, a lot of times with uh, law firms, uh, with banks, uh, things like that. So they, I feel like they're both really, really hard workers, but uh, neither of them were necessarily like managers or uh, directors of their organizations. So I feel like what I really get from them is both this balance between creative and analytical, <laughs> the kind of work that they did and the things that they instilled in me, but just a huge uh, work ethic to to work hard. Well, that's a that's a really good one to get from them. Uh, and even if in their own right, they weren't leading teams or any of that, that work ethic and just that idea that they did whatever they needed to do to support each other, to support the family. That's a really important lesson for you. What about school? What about early things that you were studying and you got interested in? How did you get the art bug? Did you get that from your dad or were you exposed to that in school? I think the art bug I really did get from my dad. I remember um, this will be just a funny anecdote of being a very young, maybe like single digit ages. And uh, my dad and I used to do these little speed drawing competitions of, you know, name a mascot and just draw it, you know, from memory. Uh, without any reference. And so things like that, you know, just funny, silly ways of of playing with art is something that I remember uh, really getting me interested in that. I actually wasn't very good at art school. <laughs> um, the traditional fine art school, I, I tried to go through those art classes and I just didn't do very well grade wise. But my senior year of high school, I attended a tech center and they had a graphic design program. And at the time, I really didn't know what that was. I knew it was something related to art and technology, and I thought, you know, why not? It's a really great excuse to get off the high school campus and do something interesting. <laughs> and I really found that that was a passion, graphic design and uh, design's ability to solve really challenging communication and experiential problems is something that really drew me to it. So. Mm. From there, I was kind of sold on that uh, right from high school, late high school, and I went to the Art Institute of uh, Chicago Schaumburg campus when they were kind of one and the same. Um, mm. And I studied art there for a few years before going right into art as a career. Oh, wow. So you, you got the bug and you were set. Uh, yeah, it's going to be all it. about art, yeah, and got the education to go along with it. Uh, so what about those early jobs or um, how did you then kind of proceed in your career? Yeah, when I first started out just out of college, I was working for various uh, ad agencies. I think I was still trying to figure out what type of designer I wanted to be. There were there's so many different types. I mean, there's there's brand designers, there are print designers, there are web designers. And then it, it just seems like the titles just keep changing. You know, now we have user experience and human centered design and information architecture design. So <laughs> um, I I went through a few different places uh, just out of college, going to different ad agencies. I did a stint working remote for a tech company out of Silicon Valley for a little while. 
um, trying out what design and tech might look like there. I ended up starting my own business actually as a freelancer for a while. And in that business, I was doing some of that user experience design for websites and applications, but I was also doing some business model design, thinking about how we could bring a new business model experience to a new market that a company wanted to tap into. So that didn't necessarily have a print or even a visual component to what we were delivering. It was all about strategy and how we engage people in an experience. And that was really exciting. And so I, I think I've folded all of those experiences into my time at Atomic, really looking at, again, how do we take user experience design? Um, how do we take some of this business model strategy, go to market planning, product leadership, and mash all of that together into the work that I'm doing today with Atomic Object. You talked about it at Atomic now that uh, in your role that you touch all the different stakeholders. And, and so I don't picture you sitting in front of a screen the whole time drawing. Um, what did you at some point start to see these other components of the process that you really enjoyed beyond the actual creative side? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I don't get to sit down and, and draw or do design that much anymore. And I really love it. <laughs> I know it's not for everyone, <laughs> um, but I have really loved the transition. Um, I think that I've always been drawn to really complex challenges that are ambiguous and a little bit hard to sort out because I think it really requires inviting everyone to the table and inviting all these different perspectives and then being able to sort through all those perspectives and inputs and think about patterns um, and think about like where is the most value going to be generated and then how do that how do i then take what i'm hearing or seeing and kind of pull that together into a story that i can bring back to an organization and say what about this i think that this is going to solve uh, the problems that you have with the skill sets and the strengths that you have as an organization and this is something that we can help you build um, and this is what it would look like to do that. And that sort of work was just really, really energizing to me. Uh, the great part of it is I feel like it creates opportunities for me to get to work with really talented designers who do really want to sit and draw all day <laughs> and make yeah. some of these things visual and, and make it tangible so that we can play with it and uh, try to break it, <laughs> uh, give it to users and see how it how it actually works. So it's kind of fun to not be in that role anymore, actually. <laughs> uh, well, in the early days, you didn't think you were that good. Uh, I'm yeah. sure you were. I'm sure you, you got to be very good at it, but you were drawn to this other side of it, which is, uh, I think, a lot having to do with relationships and what it's like to get people around the table and solve these challenges and try to impact those decisions that are being made, uh, which I, I'm sure is part of the reason why you're in the position you are today to start this new office. Uh, Taylor, can you think of a, an unexpected learning from an unexpected source somewhere along the way? Mm, that is a wonderful question that's making me think a little bit. I think uh, this will be a total turn, but I have been, unsurprisingly, with the amount of time that I had uh, during the last few years, been getting outside back into nature and have been getting into gardening quite a bit. And 
one of the unexpected learnings that I think I, I just keep getting reminded about with that practice of getting out there and just doing something, trying something, is that nature is so resilient. It is this ecosystem all in its own. And I have tried many things that I that have failed, <laughs> whether it's <laughs> a, a vegetable garden or, a, you know, planting a new tree or trying to propagate something. Um, my efforts haven't always panned out. But nature is really resilient. And there are times where I make mistakes and nature just kind of makes up for it. And I realize like, oh, I did the wrong thing there, but it's actually going to be okay. You know, I didn't I didn't totally ruin it. Or, you know, sometimes things don't work out and it becomes an opportunity to try something totally new. And I get to have this space where it's like, oh, I planted this garden last year and it just really didn't work out. You know, maybe I picked the wrong things for this location, but now I have an opportunity to try again. And I think that those uh, principles are something that I see in my work too, that we don't always get it right, but we get a lot of opportunities to keep trying and practicing and getting better um, at our craft. And we also get a lot of opportunities to see where we nurture a little bit. Um, we create good soil and amazing things come of it that we could have never anticipated. So on both ends, I mean, it's, it's really great. So true. Well, I, I could tell you that if I tried to plant a garden here in Texas, it would fail spectacularly because especially this summer where we've had 100 degree weather um, for like 60 days in a row. So um, a lot of it is climate, but like you said, uh, nature is resilient and and uh, uh, that is a great lesson and something you take back to work and because, you know, people are resilient too and business is resilient and, and we take all these things that we do and sometimes we fail small sometimes we fail big but we can get back up and and keep going and and then solve some of these bigger problems uh i, I want to dig into this transition you're going through right now because i'm fascinated as someone who has obviously done a great job in your role for the last five years the organization coming out of the pandemic is looking at expanding and growing uh, possibly looking to open a new location why did you raise your hand to be considered for that? And why would the organization choose Taylor, who doesn't even have direct reports, to go out and lead a whole new location? Yeah. Why did they? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the first one is really easy to answer. I, I have been really impressed with everybody that I've worked with at Atomic. I feel like there is a ton of support there for almost job crafting in a way, the kind of future uh, career that I see for myself. I also took some time and I sat back and said, you know, what do I want to do with the next 30 years of my career? What is going to help me feel like I am accomplishing my own purpose and vision? And, you know, let's say I retire at 65, what's going to feel like a job well done? And to me, what came out of some of that reflection at this point in my life was the ability to create a space where I get to learn from really talented people, uh, where other people get to grow and learn alongside us. And whether, you know, whether that's like they find Atomic to be a great home for them long term, that would be wonderful. But if it was also a stepping stone for them finding what they were truly passionate about and what is the right fit for them, that would be really rewarding for me too. 
So to be able to create that space is something that would make me incredibly proud to do in my lifetime. And I saw an opportunity to be able to do that with Atomic support in a way that also supports their vision of growing the company and becoming a hundred year old company. Um, so that was exciting that there was this alignment there. And I was like, this could actually work. <laughs> so um, Ryan, Abel and I, we'd been working together for a couple of years at that point. And it was kind of, it was a little tongue in cheek. I think at first we said, man, like we make such a great team. We should open the next office, you know? And it was kind of a joke for a while until one day I was kind of like, what if we actually did, you know? What would that look like? And so that really started a conversation of like, wow, that's exciting. Like that is that is scary exciting. <laughs> we should go after that. And we put together a pitch, almost like a, a startup idea pitch. And we brought that to Mike and Sean. And we said, we know the company's got a vision to do these things, to be a hundred year old company, to open more offices. And we would like to be the next managing partners. And I think what Mike and Sean would say about having that conversation, Sean mentioned it was like a Christmas morning. <laughs> it was like knowing that you have this big charter, this vision to grow the company, but how is that going to happen? And then two people from within the organization who are excited and aligned with that vision say that they want to help do that. I think that was really exciting for him. And oh, I think that we, what's that? No, I said, I bet that was very exciting for him. Yeah. I think that um, over the course of our time at Atomic, Ryan and I have demonstrated that we we do well in those ambiguous, uncertain spaces. You know, we're able to to put together a plan and move forward. We're able to do that collaboratively. We care about people and we care about the future of Atomic and I think just our excitement for building relationships and partnerships and being a force for good in this new region is something that um, everyone has been really supportive of. And I think that they're, they're really rooting for us. Oh, I bet. Well, that took a lot of initiative and courage for you guys to do that and look how it's played out. Now, as you're approaching this, I assume you're going to be building a team, um, probably small to start that's going to, I don't know if there'll be anyone going with you or you'll be uh, hiring new people there. But having not had that direct experience of overseeing others on the team, how will you and Ryan create that credibility, trust amongst the team to go on that journey with you? Yeah, we really do hope that a couple of people uh, will join us in this adventure as we're starting this out. Um, we are hoping to, with a small team, be able to work right alongside them. And so we're looking for the opportunity to build that trust and uh, autonomous relationship with teams by being part of the team to start out. and. I think that the way that we have worked on product teams so far has been a really great way to to start to show some of that trust and relationship building. Um, but at the same time, this this phase that we're in right now, which is still very early, is about us having conversations with people and meeting them where they're at and saying, you know, if this is something that you're thinking about or you're excited about, come and talk to us. Uh, there's still a lot to shape. 
Um, and there's a bit, you know, that we're figuring out as we go. And so uh, I think, again, we're like bringing that collaborative nature of like, come and do this thing with us, come help us shape this. And uh, if this isn't the right opportunity, but you're looking for an opportunity, like we are here to help with that too. Um, whether that's, you know, navigating that job crafting within Atomic, um, if there are opportunities that we can create for others so that they can continue to grow where they're at, um, that's something that we're invested in too, even if that's not this Raleigh opportunity. Yeah, this is really shaping up beautifully. As you look forward and you're jumping in feet first to this opportunity, Taylor, what do you think are the areas of leadership that you'd still like to improve upon? For me, I, I know <laughs> from uh, even like, you know, recent experience, I know that being direct and assertive is one of those things that doesn't come as easy to me. Uh, I've been fortunate to work on teams that are pretty flat, that are autonomous, that have high trust, and are very collaborative. Uh, so having the opportunities to practice being more um, assertive or direct about the direction that we're going to take things um, is something that I haven't had a ton of experience with. And especially when I care so deeply for the person on the other side of the table, I think those conversations uh, feel a little more weighted, right? Like I care about their success and I care about their happiness too. Um, so I, I anticipate that one of the hardest challenges that, that I will face is if the goals that I have for the office or for the team or for the type of work that we're doing are at odds with the goals that someone has right now, and especially somebody that I care about. I hope that I can navigate that uh, with clarity, but also creating opportunities for people to be in the right places at the right time, no matter what that looks like. Well, just knowing your personality, I think you'd also do with a lot of grace. Uh, and, and also, I think the key is that back to the trust is developing that trust along the way. So when you end up having those tougher conversations, then uh, they're going to be quite comfortable with that because that trust has been built and they know that you do care about them as much as you care about the project or the decision that needs to be made. And, uh, and yes, it's sometimes puts you in an uncomfortable spot to begin with. Um, but those conversations, if productive, will go a long way to making you feel more comfortable being assertive when you need to be. Because that's part of what leadership is about, right? That team is looking to you uh, in ways that maybe they haven't before when you were all peers or, or you were just all collaborating with that great team. Uh, yeah. But I think based on the kind of people you're going to bring in, it'll still be collaborative. It'll still be you listening to them and involving them in those decisions and, and hopefully not having to have too many of those uh, uncomfortable conversations along the way. Well, I'm so excited for what's coming for you, Taylor and Ryan and, and everybody at Atomic Object and uh, this idea of opening this this new center with all of its challenges. Um, and you've taken all these lessons all along the way. You've applied them. You've learned. You've got this great people focus. Uh, but what would you say, what kind of advice would you give to a younger person, maybe just starting out in their career, 
about um, what's most important as they begin this journey in their career or into leadership? Yeah, this is such a great question. And one that's probably very different for everybody. I'll answer it maybe to what would have been helpful to me personally starting out this journey or even as a as a kid <laughs> trying to figure out what I yeah. want. Um, I think what's been so important for me is being myself. And that sounds very simple, but I think sometimes as we're moving into leadership positions, or I'll speak just from my own experience, it's uh, finding my own leadership style has been a little bit of a winding road. And it's been really present on my mind to stay genuine and authentic when I'm in this transition phase of like, you know, I'm, I'm moving into leadership and there are certain decisions that I will have to make now certain conversations that I'll have to have now. So being able to know myself really well uh, is something that has helped me really figure out like the systems that I need to build for myself in order to be successful. <laughs> so yeah. that's something that I'm that I'm constantly like, I think, re recalibrating as I'm growing and learning through this journey too is like, okay, like the, there's more opportunities for me to practice being authentic and genuine in this and uh, more opportunities to lean into being myself. Yeah. So simple and great advice. Um, did that come from any pressure you felt to be a different type of leader along the way? I do think it maybe earlier in my career, I definitely, especially in tech, in such a male dominated industry, I think I saw male leaders most of the time and thought that's what leadership looked like. And if I was going to be a leader, then I needed to learn to do things more like they do things. <laughs> and so as I'm looking at like my own leadership journey and thinking about, you know, what really fits for me, maybe the way that it's been demonstrated by other male leaders is not necessarily what's going to work for me. So it's been a little bit of trial and error, I would say, in the beginning of my career, but I feel like I'm finding a groove. <laughs> oh, it sounds like it, that's for sure. And uh, uh, yeah, you, you have nothing but your own experience growing up, like you said, in a more male-dominated area, maybe feeling like you needed to lead like they lead. And the fact is you don't. And they could probably take um, a page out of your book um, in terms of the, the, the best way to really lead and, and develop that collaboration. So I'm glad you came to that discovery. I think it's going to serve you well. Uh, I want to leave you with these uh, five quick hit questions, um, just like the association game, the first thing that comes to your mind, Taylor. Uh, can you name uh, a leader that you look up to? Well, it's really easy to name uh, atomic leaders. <laughs> I will say, if I had to name one person just off the cuff, uh, Sean, who is uh, one of the co-CEOs of Atomic, is somebody that I'm ever impressed with, again, for his his own leadership style. I mean, like like nobody I've worked with before, incredibly authentic and genuine, really cares, will always follow through. Um, I'm amazed at, at how much he can do, <laughs> remember how present he can be. I mean, yeah, he's been wonderful to work with. What a great example. How about a book that may have influenced your leadership style? Yeah, maybe a little a little cliche here, but Brene Brown's 
Rising Strong uh, was one that I read a few years ago and one that I keep coming back to. There's so much wisdom in her books. Um, so I feel like any of them would be wonderful, but Rising Strong was one of the ones that I read early on. Yeah, she's a great example. Uh, okay, so what's your all-time favorite movie? Oh, goodness. I'm not a huge movie buff, uh, but I'm I'm not going to change the channel if The Sandlot is on. <laughs> I'll say that. The Sandlot? Is that what you said? Sandlot, yeah. That's a pretty uh, good one. Yeah, that is a good one. How about a favorite TV series to binge watch? You know, I... Um, the one I would love to say that there's like a a really great series like Breaking Bad or something like that that I've been getting into, but I always go back to some of these animated TV shows. Uh, I'm a fan of Bob's Burgers and a little bit of that dry humor. <laughs> <laughs> so that's another one that I that if I'm looking for something relaxing to have on in the background, that's a great show. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I think you might be the first one that's named an animated show. Uh, that's that's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Um, and lastly, what's something about you that many people don't know? Um, I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but getting into gardening, uh, I actually went for my master naturalist certification through the, through the Michigan State University uh, just last year. So when I said I was getting into the gardening side and nature a little hard, that was, that was part of it. I've got my certification now. <laughs> wow, you weren't kidding. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I, I just love hearing your story and having you in the Leadership Academy. Hopefully that uh, there's been a few little nuggets you've gotten out of there that will help you and Ryan as you guys open this new location next year in Raleigh. I wish you the best of luck with that. I want to share a couple of reflections, things that I just learned from talking to you today. Uh, and, and one is, I think, the, the good fortune that you've had by having these five years at Atomic. Uh, talking about the the smart, talented, caring people that are there, that um, Atomic has this vision, force of good in the community, these values, act transparently, teach and learn, give a shit, share the pain, things that act, you know, apply that you guys live with, you talk about, uh, impact the decisions that you make every day. That's just been such a great example for you, uh, how even your leaders you know, Mike and Sean have helped navigate uh, during the pandemic. Uh, and even now, as we're all making these decisions about how do we work? Do we come back to work? Or, you know, do we have a hybrid? What do we do? Um, they've just had, you've had so many great examples there. But the example started way back uh, with your very hardworking parents, um, getting that bug from your dad uh, around art. I love the way you guys competed uh, to draw those mascots early on. Uh, but it really wasn't until you got to school uh, learned that maybe the regular art stuff you weren't cut out for academically, but in that senior year, you did that project, got into graphic design, and that, that was it. You said, this is something that I want to do. Uh, and I love the the fact that, that you transitioned over these years to find your place in this whole creative area, that it wasn't so much sitting behind a computer or in front of a notepad and drawing, but it was... Uh, the complex challenges that you were solving, um, thinking about that end user, working with stakeholders around the table to sort through these challenges. And that's what leadership is all about. You've participated in that. You've taken that. I love the stories about gardening, that unexpected learning along the way. That's, that's a perfect example. And look what you've even done there. You've gotten certified. You didn't just leave it alone and go out there to grow some 
yams, you know, you, you said, I'm going to, I'm going to be the best at this I can be. I, I think it's no surprise that you and Ryan were given the opportunity to be managing partners to start this new location. But what you did first is you did this visioning for yourself is that you took the time and said, what am I going to do with these next 30 or so years of my career? You created a purpose for yourself, a vision, and then you looked at opportunities. And so you got together with Ryan, you guys took the initiative, you pitched Mike and Sean, and guess what? You were given the opportunity to do it. And now you're working through that plan. And even with the challenge that this may be the first time that you are overseeing people directly, they had the confidence in you. And I can tell you have the self-confidence to really to do this. Even though you do have more things to learn, you will learn a ton along the way, but you've been resilient yourself, that you want to learn to be a little bit more assertive and direct when maybe you haven't had that experience a lot. Maybe you haven't been in situations where that's come up. But I have no doubt that the trust that you're already building, the way you're going about creating the relationships with existing team members and potentially new team members is going to create that level of trust that are going to make those conversations really easy, easier than they otherwise might be. Um, and lastly, I just love the advice that you have for others. Just be yourself, find your own leadership style, stay genuine and authentic. We have no choice, but in especially those early years to look at those that uh, are leading us and, and look at them as examples and think that that's the way to lead. And whether they're uh, gender roles or, or other examples uh, you've experienced them, but you've ultimately realized that it's best to be yourself. It's okay to be yourself. And that is going to get you very far uh, in your career and in your life. So, uh, Taylor, this has been great hearing your story. I can't wait to uh, hear the stories when you guys open up the new location. And, and I know you're going to add a lot to the 100-year journey of Atomic going forward. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for this conversation and um, for all of the conversations that we've had prior to. We've had some one-on-ones and being part of the Small Giants Leadership Academy has been uh, fantastic for the relationships that have been built throughout the past year, uh, but also has definitely contributed to the support and confidence that I feel today. So thank you for creating the community and being part of it the way that you have been. Oh, thank you, Taylor. Very nice to say And thanks for listening to this episode of the Growing With Purpose podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. To learn more about purpose-driven leadership, go to smallgiants.org or follow us on Twitter at smallgiantsbuzz. Until next time.